Thanks for coming, ye sons and daughters of the living God. It's good to see you. How many are we going to see at the run? Yes, I see your hand. Is there yet another? Right. Somebody explain to me what a fun run is. Those words do not go together. That's oxymoron. Fun run. That's like pygmy elephant. Jumbo shrimp. Normal teenager. <laughs> Military intelligence. Conference worker. You know, it's all the same kind of kind of thing here. Thanks for the privilege and the opportunity to tell you about the Jesus that I love. Because I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't always live up to what I know I need to. But glad that I'm forgiven. And glad that there's a God of grace that provides for me eternal life little recap we don't know her name the nameless woman at the well she came at high noon to get her water has an encounter with a Jewish enemy a man who told her all about herself and then finally reveals that he is the Messiah Wouldn't you love to hear those words from Jesus? Speaking right to your face. I am the promised one. I am the savior of the world. I am the Messiah. Young people, I believe that anytime you seek Jesus Christ, he will reveal himself to you. That's the kind of God we serve. Not off in a secret place. Not hiding not giving you some kind of mysterious puzzle to unearth and unexplain. He wants to reveal himself to you today, tonight, every day, every night, in a fresh and new way. I am the Messiah. Give me a little liberty here. The Bible says the disciples began to come back they've got their groceries right can you see them from afar off Peter look we left Jesus alone and now there's someone there at the well I told you we shouldn't have leave him alone and they get a little closer and again Peter in that good strong leadership voice oh, oh no Look, it's a woman. And the sons of thunder, a woman. <laughs> and Thomas, I doubt it's a woman. No, it really probably isn't. How oh, they get closer. Can you hear them amongst themselves? Oh, we, does he not know where we are? Doesn't he understand the dynamics? He shouldn't be talking to to the Samaritan, and let alone a Samaritan woman. I'm so embarrassed. What if somebody else sees? I'll tell you what. It's time for us to be an example to the world. 
Jesus knew all the political dynamics. He knew all the social restrictions. But he engaged this woman in conversation and revealed himself to her that he was the Messiah. He wants to do the same for you today. I am the promised one. And so the disciples come upon him, but look at him. <laughs> none of them, none of them were brave enough to say anything to him. Why were you doing that? Why were you doing that? They talk amongst themselves, but nobody would challenge him. They said, look, Jesus, look, we brought you something to eat. It was high noon. Jesus was tired and hungry. And Jesus gives them a strange answer. I have food to eat that you don't even know about. What? Did that woman bring him something to eat? What's going on here? What are you talking about? Jesus says, oh, man, I am so full right now. I just revealed myself to this woman. And you know what she did? The Bible says she left everything she had come with. Maybe all her baggage. Left it at the well. Her pots, her cups, her rope. And she went back into the city to tell the, wait a minute, isn't she the number one disappointment in town? She doesn't want to see anybody, hear anybody, hear people talk about her. And she goes back to the city and she says, what? Come on, come see a man who told me all about myself. This could be the who? He, he could be the Messiah, the promised one. And she left the results up to God. And Jesus said, you guys don't even understand what's going on. I'm doing my Father's will. Wow. When I worked on a college campus, usually about semester break, or just a week or two before it was all over and finals were coming, kids would come in the office, Pastor Ken, I don't think I'm coming back. Oh, what's going on? Finances or something else going? No, yeah, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take a semester off, and I'm, I'm gonna, well, you know, I don't know what God's will for my life is. Oh, you don't know what God's will for your life is. Yeah, I'm just gonna take a, take a, some time off and and go find myself. Oh, okay, I know what you mean. So I jokingly hand them my card with my phone number on I said okay hey when you find yourself give me a call well yeah I'd like to know where you are nobody ever calls and says well oh, Pastor Ken it's um May 28th I'm at Lake Junaluska just found myself what happened my generation used that line funny how stuff repeats my generation used that line Phil do you remember our general where did we go we went to two places Berkeley, California, or someplace in Colorado, right? Boulder. Those two places, Boulder, Colorado, or Berkeley, California, to go find ourselves. Amazing thing, I got an opportunity to pastor in California once, and I couldn't wait. It's now some 20 years later after I've been hearing all this. 20 years later, I said, before I even went to the church where I was, I said, I got to go to Berkeley. I got to go to Berkeley. So I went to the campus of Berkeley. Guess what I found? My generation, still there at Berkeley, still singing songs with their guitars on a hillside with tie-dyed, make love, not war t-shirts, singing, 
Where have all the flowers gone? Long time. What are they doing? Still looking to find themselves. You want to find yourself? Jesus says, lose yourself for my sake and for the kingdom. Whoa, the world says, go find yourself. Jesus says, lose yourself for my sake and for the kingdom, and you will end up finding yourself. Disciples, you have no idea what's going on. I just found, well, didn't find myself. I just revealed myself. I'm satisfied. I'm not thirsty. I'm not hungry. Oh, okay. I understand that, Pastor Ken, but I don't know what God's will for my life is. Well, not everybody agrees with me on this, and that's okay. But here's what I think. When you come to me and ask me that question, if I knew the answer, I wouldn't tell you. I don't want to take the joy of discovery of you finding out what God's will for your life is. John chapter 4 says, I, I can tell you this much. I know what God's looking for in your life. He's looking for you to worship him in spirit and truth. Are you doing that? God's will. I can tell you what Jeremiah says when he talked about the, the letter that was given to the captives of Babylon. These are the plans. How many? More than one. These are the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to bless you and prosper you. Plans to increase you and give you hope for the future. That's God's will for your life. But I don't know all the exact details, but I'll tell you what, even if you don't think you're following God, following them, God has a way of bringing you around about. Is that right? Those are the plans God has for you. I'll never forget her. She came in right after Christmas into the office. In our office, we helped coordinate student missionaries. And before everything really got electronically, they used to publish a big notebook that had all the calls, all the opportunities to serve as a student missionary. Susie, brown hair, brown eyes, warm smile. Pastor Ken, I want to be a student missionary. That is exciting, Susie. Have you thought about where you want to go? She says, well, I have an idea. And I said, well, if you haven't totally decided here, I hand her this big, thick notebook. Take a few minutes and start going through these pages and seeing all the opportunities. And so she did. She sat down. 30 minutes later, she came in, handed me the notebook back and said, Pastor Ken, I want to go to China. Well, Susie, there's no opportunities in the notebook to go to China. I know. Well, God wants me to go to China. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll see what we can do. And I didn't want to discourage her. I mean, this was her first visit in January. She came back in February. Pastor Ken, has anything opened up in China? Susie, not yet, but, but I had made a phone call, and, you know, China is a communist country. They don't like people coming in telling them about Jesus or student missionaries and and. Well, I know, Pastor Ken, but God's calling me to China. March, first of March. She came in at the first of the month. 
Pastor Ken, anything in China? You know, our student missionary class starts right after spring break here in, in a couple weeks in March, and, and I want you to be there. And I, well, God wants me to go to China, doesn't he, Pastor Ken? I said, God wants you to be a student missionary. I know that. Right now, there's, there's nothing in China. And, you know, Susie, it doesn't look like anything's going to open up for China. Have you thought about Korea? Or what about Japan? Or, or would you like to go to Thailand? Well, those are good places, Pastor Ken. But I'm going to China. All right, well, we'll keep working on it. We started the class. 60 kids that year going out as student missionaries. And first day or, or two, it takes us, we go through the whole list. Where are you going? What are you doing to them? And we come to Susie. Susie says, well, God's calling me to go to China. You can feel the stillness in the room. Everybody knows there's no calls to China. Not for men, and especially not for a female. We finished the class. We wrapped up in April. Nothing happens in April. It's now May, four days before graduation. First of the month, Susie, come in. Pastor Ken, she's at the desk. Secretary's there. Pastor Ken, has anything opened up in China? She's still got those bright brown eyes and a beautiful smile. Oh, Susie, I'm so... I'm so, uh, I don't know how to, that's the fax machine going off. And so the secretary swiveled her chair around and she's pulling out this fax from, from the machine. I said, Susie, I, I just don't know how anything will be available in, in China. And the secretary behind the desk begins to wave this piece of paper. It came through the fax machine. And she's pointing to it. And I said, okay, well, just a minute, I'll get to it. But Susie, we, we really need to consider something else because I know you're being called to serve. And now the secretary stands up and I see tears coming down her eyes and she can't say anything. Her mouth is moving, but no words are coming out. And she said, I said, well, okay. And she hands me the fax. And it's a fax from the student missionary office in Washington, D.C. And it says there's a new opening they're looking for a student missionary in, have I told you this story before? <laughs> oh, in China. And the last line, oh, by the way, <laughs> they really would prefer a female. Now I'm waving the paper. And I got tears in my eyes. And Susie's looking like, what, where have I come today? What's going, going on here? And Susie, Susie, you got to read this. There's a, there's a student missionary position in, in China. It's just come across the facts, and they're looking for a female. And she didn't even take a breath. She goes, Pastor Ken, I've been trying to tell you for six months, God's calling me to China. I know, I know, I never doubted. I could believe the whole, the whole time he was going to China. I said, see, I, I don't know God's will for your life. But I know if you trust him. I know if you leave all your burdens and everything you come in with at the well, by his feet, he'll take care of you. Because his plans are to bless you and to prosper you and to give you hope and a what? And a future. And a woman without a name who met the Messiah, ran back into town and said, come on out. 
come see a man who told me everything about me. Come see the Messiah. My job at the evangelistic meeting was to be the greeter. The evangelist had his program, everything ready to go. My job was to be in the back lobby. We had a fiery preacher. He was plugged into the PA, but he didn't need to be, if you know what I mean. He was preaching. The good deacons in that church got up and opened up the side windows all along the side, not because it was hot. I think just for there to be somewhere for the sound to go. Red hair, freckles, and he was preaching the word. I'm in the back. Through the double glass doors comes a young man. Springy, blonde, curly hair. Unshaven, torn t-shirt, jeans, not with designer holes, but holes in them tennis shoes and as he opened the second door our eyes met and he says what's all the screaming going on in here oh well that's we've got a, a guest speaker and, and he says where am I well, he just walked by the side of you I said brother you're in the Seventh-day Adventist Church cool I said Len, hey we're having Meetings about Jesus. Would you like to come in? Yeah. How much does it cost? $25, if you can hear me. Didn't say that. What a great question, isn't it? How much does it cost? And there's not a preacher alive that doesn't want to say, oh, man. Brother, the gospel of Jesus Christ is free. My name's Ken. What's your name? Andy. My name's Andy. Andy, come on in. I want you to come into the meeting. Matter of fact, Andy, I've got a Bible for you. A Bible? Oh. There's the catch, he says. How much does it cost? Andy, this is yours. It's a gift. I want you to have it. Oh, cool. He liked to say cool. Andy, here, take this. Here's a brochure about the meetings. Come on in. The preacher's still going. He says, oh, he's a preacher. I could hear him out on the street. I said, come on in. Get a seat. I opened the back door of the church. Where did I expect Andy to sit? Back pew, that's... No. Andy walked all down to the front, past 45 rows of pews, and sat on the front row. I know the chiropractors were happy the next day because you know what happens when people walk from the front to the... to the walk from the back to the front in the middle of the meeting, what heads were going. <laughs> Andy sat in the front row... preacher, and I don't remember the exact, so you'll forgive me this part of the story, but this, the preacher goes, all right, open, open your Bibles now to John chapter 4. Andy's hand went up. 
Where? John chapter 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the preacher said. Andy's hand back up. Who? The preacher looks back at me and pauses, and I went, Andy, hand up again, says, dude, I need a page number. Preacher looked down and said, fair enough, we're using the same Bible. Here's the page, 934. Andy, hand up. Cool. Kind of a ripple all the way back through the church. For the next 20 minutes, Andy and the evangelist had a conversation back and forth. As soon as amen was said, I heard my name from the front, the evangelist. Pastor Ken! And I got down in front just in time for Andy to be up on the stage and right in front of the evangelist goes, I want to know all about this Jesus and I want to know all about him now! And the evangelist said, Pastor Ken's your man. <laughs> okay, fair enough, we're even. Folks, for the next three and a half hours on that Friday night, a good deacon, myself and Andy, went back to the office and we went through the scriptures. This kid had never heard the Bible stories. From creation to the ark and the animals, to the Sabbath, to the second coming, to Daniel in the lion's den, to Jesus and the disciples, to the woman at the well, back to the prophets, to the psalmist, and the story of David and Goliath. All new! And it didn't matter. He just wanted more and more and more. Now it's about midnight. Andy, I'm going to have to wrap this up. Can you come tomorrow? Yeah. All right, I've got to get home because I've got to be back here in the morning for church. Church? Tomorrow's Saturday. Oh, yeah, that Sabbath thing. Cool. Andy, let me, let me take you home. Uh, no problem, I can walk. Now, wait a minute, it's midnight. Yeah, it, it's no problem. Andy, where are you staying? Where do you live? Hung his head, and really for the first time that night was a little bit quiet and reflective. Yeah. Staying down at Lincoln Park. Well, Lincoln Park was the city park. Lincoln Park? There's no housing at Lincoln Park. Yeah, I know, but there's like three or four of us there, and we kind of watch out for each other, and we got a little protection and in amongst the trees, and we're, we're homeless. Oh, wait a minute. Homeless? Uh, this has happened in Napa, California. We didn't have any homeless shelters because we didn't have any homeless people. So if we didn't have any homeless people, yeah, we didn't need shelters. And then if we had shelters, then we'd have homeless people. You follow me? So Andy was staying at the park. Before I could offer Andy to come to my house, the deacon says, well, you're coming home with me because i got an extra bedroom that's empty, and you're welcome to it. Andy said, no, see, I have told you that story. Cool. The deacon took Andy home. Andy came back on Saturday with his girlfriend. Long story short. 
we baptize Andy and his girlfriend into the family of God. One week later, we dedicated their newborn baby girl. Two weeks later, the church threw a big wedding for Andy and Barbara. You with me? You see, their family disowned them, said they had joined a cult. It didn't matter to the church. They threw their arms of love all around them, brought them in, the family of God. Because that's what love does. Right? It's the kind of church I want to belong to. That's the kind of love Jesus exemplified to the woman at the well, the number one disappointment in town. Put his arms of love around her, accepted her, and brought her in. I wish I could tell you the stories that continued with Andy. He'd come in and tell me some of the stuff that was going on or that he'd been involved with. And finally I said, you know, Andy, no, no more. I don't, I don't want to know anymore. I don't. And he'd get so excited. He'd take things on my desk and he would break them. Pencils. Sometimes he broke pens. One time he broke a little figurine. And I finally learned that when Andy was coming, I had to clear my desk. One time I left one of my favorite pens out. Andy got excited and emotional. He took my pen. He broke it. Andy! you got to quit breaking my stuff. And he says, what's wrong with you people? I do all these bad things and all the bad things I've done. You, you guys just keep on loving me and you accept me. And says, I don't know how to do that. My own family doesn't do that. And he says, but you guys do that. And I said, it's because the love of Christ constrains us and we're supposed to love you. Now stop breaking my stuff. <laughs> okay. I wish I knew where Andy was today. I know this much. When I left Napa, he had gone up the hill to study religion at Pacific Union College. Like the woman at the well, she went back. Come see the Messiah. Come see the one who's told me all about myself and loves me anyway. And as the rest of the story goes, many of the people of Samaria believed on Jesus Christ because of the woman's testimony. Come on, people. What do people believe about Jesus Christ because of your testimony? Let that roll around a little bit. What do people believe about Jesus Christ because of your testimony? Do they see a God who is kind and loving and gracious and forgiving from your words and your actions? Or do they see a God who is demanding, unforgiving, punishing, judgmental? I used to think the story had a great ending and ended, ended right there. But it doesn't. And here's my challenge to you as it's found in the closing words of John chapter 4. Jesus was driven from where he was in Judea, holding meetings and baptizing people. He had to leave because the church, the Pharisees, pushed him out. He now comes into Samaria, enemy territory, and he stays 
two more days. And because the woman continued to be a missionary, telling people to come, many more people believed on Jesus Christ because they heard Jesus firsthand. Have you seen the cycle in John chapter 4? The living water experience? Oh, many believed because they heard the words and they saw the change in the woman's life. But many more believed because they heard Jesus and took him in firsthand. And that's my challenge to you tonight, folks. Don't keep letting stuff happen to you on the outside. Don't let church and good stuff and religious programs and good song and gospel singing just happen to you on the outside. Take it inside like it was Jesus speaking to you. Like you were hearing the very words of Jesus. I can't help but believe that there's some sitting here among us tonight that are going to rise up. Take my place. Take Pastor Phil's place. Pastor Joel, Pastor Brian. You're going to be preachers for the kingdom of God. Men and women. God's placing that call on your life. You're going to know it. You're going to be impressed. You're going to be like Susie. Regardless of what Hear me, hear me clear. Regardless of what the current policy is, regardless of what the social dynamics are, if God's calling you to ministry, nothing's going to prevent you from doing that. Because these are the plans God says, I have plans I have for you to bless you, to give you hope, and to give you a future. And I'm here to tell you, our church needs you. And secondly, you don't just have to be a preacher to share the love of Jesus Christ. You know, when our kids would come and say, hey, you know, if you're going to college, everybody's like, well, what's your major? What are you going to study? Oh, auto mechanics. That's awesome. How are you going to live for Jesus Christ in that garage when the air all around you is blue? What's going to be your witness and your testimony? That's what I want to know. Going to be a nurse? Just heal people physically? Or do you want to touch their hearts and see changes in their life? Just had a class reunion, a bunch of classmates together, and everybody's Asking what you do, what you've been doing, what's going on. Pastor Ken, why are you do why are you doing ministry? It didn't I didn't have to take a breath and say, change lives. Change lives. When people are introduced to Jesus Christ, their lives change. When people are influenced by the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, they change they change from the inside out. And you know what? The world takes notice, and people watch, and people see. So tonight, man, if, if the Spirit's talking to your heart, 
You want to say, hey, you know what? I don't know what God's will for my life is. Right now I'm just kind of in between. I'm not really sure. But I'll commit to following Jesus, worshiping him in spirit and in truth, trusting that he has plans for my life. I may not know them, but I'll ask God to show me. And maybe even if I mess up and don't feel like I'm following it, guess what? I think God's got other options and other plans that he can put in place for my life and for your life. He did it for Jonah. He'll do it for you. If you'd like to commit to that tonight, go ahead, just, just stand. Don't feel the pressure to stand, but you just want to stand with me and say, man, I'm going to commit to trust in my life into God's hands. For at high noon, the woman that came to the well was the number one disappointment in town. I don't know, about five o'clock in the afternoon maybe, she's turned into the number one missionary because she's had an encounter with the living God and he revealed himself to her. This same Jesus will reveal himself to you tonight. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ. We'd ask that Jesus would reveal himself to us in our own worlds, our own thoughts. I just pray that Jesus will be real to each one of us. Seal the commitments that were made tonight by saying we're going to trust you. Trust that you have plans for us, plans to bless us and prosper us, to give us hope and a future. We want to be the kind of creation that worships you in spirit and in truth. Make your will known in our lives. When we don't know, we'll trust. When we do know, we'll trust. When things go wrong, we'll trust. When things go well, we'll trust. Because you've called us into a saving and loving relationship with you. Ah, let the world take note tonight that your church is a people who loves their God and loves one another. In Jesus' name.